And welcome to another episode of Workers Power. Hello, comrades. How are you? Hope you're keeping warm. And my name's Bill. I use the he, him pronouns. I'm Jenna. I use she, her. And I am Mark, and I use the he, him pronouns. Yeah. yeah. Welcome, Mark. We've got a work experience uh, kid in here who's uh, straight away on the mic. So you, yeah. you're there. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much for having me. All right. So... Uh, here on Workers Power, uh, we, first off, we've got to say well done to the the crew from Transmission. Another fantastic episode, and also thank you to the Brisbane Lines for bringing or the Z Lines crew. It's not Brisbane Lines is after us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you to the Z Lines crew for bringing us up to date. And did you hear that story? They got a yes. nomination for Scallywag of the Week in there. Yes, that that teacher. Yeah. Yeah, bigots are everywhere, so it's it's good to to, to stamp them out. Um, and so today on our show, uh, look, I, I've got something special that I'm working on. We, I, I'm pretty ninety nine percent sure that's going to happen. We're going to have, have an interview with someone from Blockade Australia and um, see what all the fuss is uh, about what's going on at Port of Brisbane. Um, there's a couple of other other uh, interesting stories. Uh, the one that, that that we've been reporting a little bit on, and I will go into a little bit more in depth, is uh, bring back the CES. You might not remember the CES. I do not remember the CES. I, I am too young for that. I have no idea what the CES to be so, honest. So <laughs> the CES was the Commonwealth Employment Services. So essentially, all those uh, all, all those services um, that are provided from Centrelink used to be in-house. So, i.e., your, your job network provider. That used to be an in-house. They love changing the names of things. Oh, they do. Oh. Because, Every couple yeah, of well, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, because there's, uh, there's, there's money involved and budget involved with, with that, you know. So and they spend most of the budget changing their names? or Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, CES was was everything in in the one one umbrella, all done by public servants, all done with um, with, with the main focus being getting the person back into job, not shareholder profits like like the the current batch are. Which really, you know, they're a private company; you, they cannot deny that their their main operative is to make shareholder profits. Yes. Yeah. Now we get into the not-for-profit sector, who do a, f- a bit of work in that. At the end of the day, um, you could t- some of those organisations you could take the word "not" out. Oh, <laughs> they're for-profit charities. You know, at the end of the day, if a CEO is earning fi- five hundred more than five hundred thousand dollars a year, well, more than two hundred thousand dollars a year for that matter, they're a for-profit industry. Just another day in our cyberpunk dystopia. Yes. Yeah, uh, before we move any further, let's acknowledge the traditional owners of the land of which we broadcast, the Yagara, Yagurapal and terrible people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders, past and present, and we acknowledge First Nation comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparation and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. And um, we do that in many ways, uh, you know, that whether that be um, on, on the ground or, or by even starting our show off with, um, with the First Nations um, uh, workers' action. And this one is... Um, it, it, it came from... I got this one from NITV, um, and uh, it, it's uh, to do with... Uh, Is a this cor- the emu one? 
Yeah, oh. Karina's father went blind at Emu Field. Now she's fighting for a treaty on nuclear weapons. And so, the, now, I, w- I want to get this right, but I know I'll, I'll bugger it, but here we go. The young Guck Tajara and Onuga woman talked about the devastating effect the testing had on her family, including the loss of her father. Karina Lester knows the fallout nuclear weapons can cause. Her father, the late Yami Lester, went blind as a young man after the British tested atomic weapons in Emu Field. The scars are still felt on our country, said Ms Lester, a, a woman from North West Australia, and the scars are still evident on our people. A group of Australian atomic survivors and relatives visited Canberra on Wednesday to speak with government decision makers about their experience of the British nuclear testing program in WANSA. They are calling on Prime Minister Anthony Albanese to sign the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. In 1953, the British initiated a program of nuclear testing in Australia at the Montebello Islands off the coast of WA and in Emu Field in South Australia. Two years later, the British government announced a larger site for the test at Maralinga. Maxine Goodwin is the daughter of an Australian nuclear veteran who became ill as a result of his involvement in the first atomic test in WA. Signing the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons is a significant step towards addressing the harm experienced by individuals and communities, she said. In October 1953, when the British detonated the Totem 1 and 2 nuclear bombs at Emu Field, young young Kana Tajara, Anna Takarina and Pitajana Anajara Women, June Lennon was only a few months old. Her family witnessed the test and have suffered from ill health since. The government didn't tell the truth about the nuclear testing program, she said. There were so many lies. They didn't tell people what they were doing. International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons Australia Director Jem Ramold said it was important for policymakers to hear stories firsthand. Nuclear survivors are expert, uh, experts on the devastating humanitarian impacts of nuclear weapons, she said. Australia's experience with nuclear weapons testing is a powerful motivation to join the Nuclear Weapon Ban Treaty. The delegation will be in Canberra on Wednesday and Thursday to meet parliamentarians, including Foreign Minister Penny Wong, and speak at any event hosted by the Parliamentary Friends of the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Yes, get rid of nuclear weapons. I'm not surprised that they hid the full extent of the damage from the locals. Uh, We see this with all kinds of dangerous um, substances, whether they be like chemicals, whether it be like asbestos. Often um, the higher-ups are aware of the dangers and try to actively suppress the data for as long as they possibly can um, for profit. Yeah, that's exactly what they do. It's, uh, yeah, and, and to, 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 to practice killing people. Yes. Oh. It's, yeah, it... 
it's just not good, you know. As I always say, you know, or we always say here on Workers' Power, a bayonet is a weapon with a, a, a worker at both ends. Um, but um, it wouldn't surprise it's a me mighty, if this a nuclear treaty weapons are quite big bayonets, aren't they? It wouldn't surprise me if this treaty doesn't get signed. We we know about the nuclear submarines that we're planning on purchasing, right? And they're not even good submarines. What do you mean? Wait, they're not good submarines? No, they're not even good submarines. Oh, my God. Let me tell you about these submarines. By the time that they're finally built, they're going to be about 20 years out of date in oh. terms of submarine technology. We're, we're, we're going to have... By the time we have the submarines, they're not going to be even good submarines... Like, there's going to be other people, other better submarines. They're yeah, not even good quality. They're terrible quality. They're low-quality submarines. When you consider how much money the government's spending on these submarines, right? Yeah. Like, lo- lots of money just for a couple submarines, just for, like, a handful of submarines. And they're not even good submarines. It's just, like, a total waste of money. If they were ev- if they were good submarines, like, maybe I would get it. You <laughs> know what I mean? They're going to be good submarines. Controversial take. But they're not even good submarines. Controversial take on nuclear submarines. They're... they're low quality submarines it's literally it's just flushing money down the toilet basically yeah because you know we want the like nuclear peace treaty and stuff like this would definitely help australia yeah yeah we 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 um nuclear weapons well they there comes with nuclear testing and as we see that that affects people like it affected this woman um and her father and there's there's lots of it's really hard to state the devastating impact that nuclear weapons have not just the weapons but also the testing leading up to that which is what we're talking about in this story here it's just and they're not even good submarines they're not even good submarines no no and uh yep it's uh yeah, no war but class war here on Workers' Power, and uh, and uh, yeah, we're we're adamant about that. And uh, yeah, the, these uh, we should be signing on to any t- treaty that uh, um, you know, denounces uh, nuclear weapons. Um, you know, we, we we just have to look at the history. You know, um, uh, of the devastation that they, that they can cause. And welcome back to Workers Power here on 4 Triple Z. My name's Bill. I use the he, him pronouns. I'm Jen. I use she, her. Uh, I'm Mark and I use the he, him. I'm Clara. I use she, her. I'm Manny and I use she, her. Okay, well, we, we've got a, um, a guest on the line um, that, that we, we, we've got a, from Blockade Australia to, to, to talk, chat with us about uh, what uh, workers doing standing up and fighting back uh, against the, the coal and, and, and oil industry. Hi there, have I got you on the line? Could you do a bit of an yeah, intro? Yeah, I'm and here. Can you hear me there? Yeah, yeah, we've got you. Could you just do a quick awesome. intro? And, G'day, um, yeah, I'm Zelda. Hi, everyone. Hi, Zelda. And um, could you... Look, it, uh, so it, where are you broadcasting from? Um, I'm on uh, Gadigal country. Well, thank you. Hell yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm actually in Sydney. And and there's some actions happening uh, this morning. Could you? I've heard a little bit on the news and thought I'd get in touch. I don't know all that much. So, could you let us know what's what 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 action are you taking at the moment? For sure. Yesterday, we put monopoles and bipoles up and blockaded three ports simultaneously. So, 
three of the kind of um, biggest production um, points of Australia's economy to stop the extracted wealth uh, flowing out of the country. Um, and today we've put up another two at Brisbane and Melbourne. So we're um, taking this disruptive action to because we're in a corporate-driven climate collapse. Like, it's that it's that whole sort of system of exploitation and extraction that is killing our climate, and we feel like yeah. So how good. long have you managed to urgent. shut down the port? Because um, obviously actions like this will um, cost the the port of Brisbane actual financial money, and we know that that's all the capitalist class will listen to. And and how, agreed. Yeah, and how, how long have you been out there this morning? And what, what what's the action? A bit more specific for because we're we're from Mianjin, um Our show's up here in Mianjin. So so what is the action that's happening in Port of the Brisbane this morning? Uh, Dash went up on a monopole outside the Port of Brisbane this morning, and uh, was up there for about two hours. So all traffic into the port at Brisbane was stopped this morning. Um, no containers getting loaded out. Um, we hope all the workers are still getting paid. Uh, that's what we'd like to think. Um, but that the yeah, that there's a little bit of a cog in that uh, machine that is killing our planet. So, would you say that it is successful? Sorry, so far? a spanner in the cogs of the machine. Oh, it matter that <laughs> we don't want to be a cog. We want to be a spanner in the works. Damn right. And we know that the police down in New South Wales, the anti-protest laws have gotten even more strict. Are there any worries about the consequences that could face these protesters? Of course there are. Yeah, of course there are. And, I mean, you know, yeah, people are you know, worried that they might end up in prison for doing a completely non-violent protest action, which is ridiculous. Like, nobody should have to live with that fear. Even the UN Human Rights Special Rapporteur has said no one should have to be looking at a prison sentence for a, a non-violent protest. Um, but unfortunately, that's what we've come to in Australia, where instead of dealing with the climate crisis, um, they're shooting the messenger and they're repressing climate activists. So South Australia's just um, really upped the ante with their new legislation as well. Well, it's not new legislation, they amended old legislation. And uh, our mates over at Disrupt Burrup Hub in Perth um, have just been handed down bail conditions saying they are not to go with win within 100 metres of any protests. Yes, so and that is a very hard thing to... graffiti on the street, they could be breaking the law. ...actually abide by those bail conditions. And there's no, definitely they're, they're potential absurd. for uh, these laws to go even further. Should legislation go even further with these anti-protest laws, do you think Blockade Australia will still continue? Blockade Australia itself is not an entity where a collection of human beings like any other part of the climate movement and the people who are drawn to this kind of action are people who are feeling really desperate about the climate crisis and feeling like it's urgent and we're reading the climate science and it terrifies us. So I guess the thought of not doing anything um, is, is probably scarier than the thought of doing something and potentially 
facing a jail sentence. That's unfortunately the situation we're in. And further, further to that, uh, you know, that desperation, and and uh, could, could could you expand on that a little bit more in 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 the light of uh, the, the the disruption that it causes, and and um, and that uh, that it there's no other way um, for for uh, workers to express their. Um, express that that frustration um would would that be be right in the uh, blockade uh, australia approach that you know we've tried other things it's now we're trying in our this ethic that um direct action is is the way that ordinary people can assert power so we don't think that going to the ballot box every three or four years and casting a ballot for another neoliberal government is going to get the kind of change we need um, where after systems change not just tinkering around the edges of the climate issue so people who organize collectively and take action together um, is what has caused progressive social change at any time in the last 200 years or even longer, millennia. And we don't have access to the channels of power, right? We're not billionaires. We can't dictate what goes in the Murdoch media. We can't pass legislation that suits our billionaire buddies. But what we can do is, is disrupt the, the functioning of the system by targeting publicly available infrastructure. So these are our ports. They might be privately owned, but actually it's our ports. They're our streets, they're our roads, they're, it's our planet. So that is how people have always exercised power, is by blocking roads. And we're in a, a millennia-old tradition of protesting invasion, protesting militarism, protesting, you know, the logging of forests, the, the dispossession of people by blocking roads. So, um, back onto these um, protesting laws. Do you reckon the new protesting like legislation stuff in um, South Australia and New South Wales? Do you reckon that only targets um, the climate change um, protesters? We have seen in Sydney um, a couple of other people being targeted who were not climate change protesters. So, I mean, they they specifically brought it in to target Blockade Australia and Fireproof, who were doing roadblocking actions in Sydney. Like, they brought it in after our April 2022 mobilisation at the Port of Botany. Um, and then they've gone after Fireproof people as well as Blockade Australia people with that legislation. But we've also seen... Um, a protester about it was at a bank and i'm sorry but i can't remember what the issue was but it wasn't climate um and she's been um handed that she's been arrested under the same legislation so it can be used to target any kind of protest which is why so many of the unions came on board to protest this legislation um because it will affect industrial action as well Right, and, and and look, I lo- love the, love the talk of the the and using the word collective. And uh, uh, are you um, working on uh, a building a force and 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 increasing that collective? Absolutely, yeah. We hope to inspire others to take direct action. And you know, we acknowledge we're not the only people on this continent who are resisting. You know this machine of climate destruction there's heaps of first nations folk defending country there's there's rock barrap hub people um there's all sorts of forestry groups including there's one in bellingen um you know there's all sorts of people stepping up and we hope that yeah we're working we're working in concert 
with all of those other groups. So whether you want to um, come on board with Blockade Australia and, and join up with us or whether you want to join up with one of the other direct action groups that's in your area or start your own, um, we do think that organising collectively and starting um, a greater a greater amount of collaboration between all of us um, in, in this resistance is what's going to turn us around. It's what's going to, um, in the end, hopefully secure us uh, a safer climate future. We're beyond the point where we can say safe, but a safer climate in the future. Absolutely. And it is definitely necessary to keep the voices of First Nations people at the centre of this climate issue as it is stolen land and it is their land that is being desecrated. Also, yeah, um, and that whole that whole sort of violence began with colonisation, violence yes. against the humans and violence against land. And, you know, it's going to be up to us to stop it, all of us. Absolutely. Uh, did you have any, like, social media places where we could maybe see live streams or get information? There's awesome live streams up on our Facebook, Blockade Australia. Um, if you're not on Facebook, there's also um, some pretty cute content on Instagram. We have a website, blockadeaustralia.com. So if that's your preferred medium, you can go there. Um, and there's also a sign-up form that's on our website and there'll be links to that from our Facebook and our Instagram um, to get on an email list and be invited to, you know, info talks and public events that, you know, you can come and connect with us. Well, th well thank you for coming on today. First off, uh, is, is there anything that, you, you, that we haven't asked you or you haven't brought up that, that you'd like to uh, bring up? Oh, that's very kind. Um, I just would say it's really refreshing to do an interview with um, with people who are as well-informed and um, have their hearts in a good place as you guys. That's us at 4 Triple Z. speaking with Neil Mitchell this morning. Oh, well, that, yeah, you would have got a bit of a different reception from them. Oh, uh, yeah. He didn't get much of a word in, though. Well, well, fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time to having a chat with us today on 4ZZZ. Uh, you know, uh, we, we are uh, all about, uh, the whole station is about um, connecting and amplifying uh, workers and, and um, you know, and br bringing that, uh, amplifying that voice of workers standing up and fighting back. So thank you for taking the time uh, to chat with us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. And welcome back to Workers Power here on 4ZZZ. My name's Bill. I use the he, him pronouns. Uh, I'm Mark and I use the he, him pronouns. I'm Jenna, I use she, her. And I'm Clara, she, her. Now, um, as we lead up to the 11am Z lines, we'll get into a bit of a workers action. And we've got the, uh, the, the community and... Uh, and public and sector union who have officially launched a campaign to put an end to outsourced government employee employment services with the creation of a modern Commonwealth Employment Service, the CES. The CES was a hugely successful federal government employment service that was eventually privatised by the Howard government in 1998. In privatising employment services, the Howard government argued competition through a large number of community-based providers would ensure good quality services for job seekers and value for money for taxpayers. 
The reality couldn't be further from this promise, with just a handful of multinationals dominating the space, making enormous profits and failing to deliver outcomes for job seekers and local employers looking to hire new staff. The Prime Minister acknowledged these shortfalls recently when he remarked that some of the system that's been established by our predecessors is about ticking the boxes rather than providing that support. Mm. The current model is underpinned by an ineffective and punitive compliance framework that the CPSU argues does more harm than good and has called for it to immediately be abandoned. A modern, fit-for-purpose CES would deliver better outcomes for job seekers, the government, taxpayers, the employees who deliver these services... And now into the background, its submission to inquiry into Workforce Australia Employment Services, the CPSU recommends, one, the immediate suspension of mutual obligations. Yes! Yeah, nothing, it is a punitive system that does more harm than good. Damn right. All right, uh, um, just for a second, yo, I'm going to intervene. Yo, mutual obligations is just punishment for poor people. It's literally just your poor I'm gonna punish you. That's that's what that is. Oh, so yes. Like the immediate suspension of mutual obligations absolutely necessary. Oh. It's just a cruel system otherwise. Number two, the Commonwealth Government take an in principle decision to end the use of for profit employment services, noting the conflict of interest inherent in a for profit system. Yeah, literally. If it's a for profit system, then literally they make more money by not helping you. You know what I mean? Like that's just backwards. Uh, the Number three, the Commonwealth Government take an in-principle decision to rebuild a public sector-based employment service. Number four, that while there are a number of possible models for a rebuilt public sector service, the best option is to rebuild a new modern CES supplemented by specialist community-based services to provide enhanced support to job seekers and rebuild APS skills and capacity. Number five, the Commonwealth Government take steps to increase that number and range the location of entry-level jobs in the Australian Public Service. Quotes attributable to Melissa Donnelly, CPSU National Secretary. To quote, CPSU is proud today to launch our campaign to bring back the CES and revitalise employment services. Since 1998, successive governments have thrown huge amounts of public money at employment service providers and what do they have to show for it? A toxic relationship with job seekers, wasted taxpayer money, limited support for local businesses wanting to hire new staff and huge profits for a handful of private providers who are failing to deliver. (coughs) Serena Rosso. (coughs) This system is like an old car that keeps breaking down but instead of changing models governments have just kept pouring money into trying to patch it up. It's like pouring money into a toilet. It's not a system where we can tinker with or tweak. It is a broken system that we need to replace. Damn right. The CPSU believes that time is up for the current privatised, punitive and primarily for-profit employment services system. Insourcing employment services through the creation of a modern, fit-for-purpose CES would be a beneficial move for the government, for job seekers, for employers and for the public. It would rebuild capacity and capability within the APS. It would allow the Commonwealth to play a direct role in shaping labour market changes and responding to immediate and future policy changes and economic priorities. And it would rewrite the relationship between government and job seekers, which is hugely overdue. The suggestion was dismissed out of hand. Yeah, no, what the hell is that? Uh, The mutual obligations is, is definitely the biggest thing. 
um, because they, they, they have all of these hoops that you need to jump through, you know what I mean, just in order to stay afloat, to afford the crazy amounts of rent in here, you know what I mean? We got, we got homelessness is up 22%. That's just in Queensland. And, and you, if, if you miss one of these mutual obligations, we cut your payment. I've heard, like, other news outlets say that Australia might go into, like, some sort of recession soon. Like, I mean, what New Zealand's having a quote-unquote technical recession. I'll, I'll talk to you about that in the break. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, um, bring back the CS. So, uh, being the only person in the room that actually used the CS, it is a hell of a lot better than what it was better. Um, than what it is now. And this was without computers. So you've seen the year 1998, right? So yeah. there wasn't there was That's a computer That's older than then. me, for real. And so you used to walk in. The, yeah, yeah. The, you used to walk in and all the jobs would be up on notice boards and you'd get a card, right? And you'd grab a card and then you'd go out to the front, right? And, and you'd wait wait in line. And then, and then you'd, you'd say, I'm, I'm very interested in this job. And then they would ring, you know, and this is a, the CS person. Uh, and it would be the same person who worked out your payments. That's crazy. And, no, and I can't you, remember and that. And then you would say, and then you would say oh, 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 you know, I want to apply for this job, but I've also got to sort my payments out. And, um, yeah, yeah, it would be the, be the same, similar person. And, uh, yeah, it was all in the one place. So it was... I'm too young for that. My yeah, entire experience different. with the system has been mutual obligations, ridiculous hoops, asking so many things of me that I literally can't do because of my disability, which they fail to recognise. And when I lodge papers, they misplace the papers. It's just a nightmare, and it is literally just designed to punish poor people. I mm. haven't used the system, but apparently sounds like crap, so yeah. I'm probably not going to use it then. <laughs> well, y- you you will be forced to. You will have oh, no choice. No. You don't have a choice. Is it something that the government like puts in us to uh, be yeah, able to get a it, job? Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's very much compulsory, and um, in some of the some of the uh, experiences that I had, um, I uh, was they wanted me to do a. I, I don't know what they really call it, but it's basically a resume day. Um, I, here I was, early 40s, um, and they're making me do a resume day. Gosh. Yeah, know, where, where yeah. we do our resume. Now they make you, oh my God, if Jackson was here, they make you do <laughs> online courses for 25 hours a week, right? And this whole time you have to be there, literally, and they, then all they do is like, okay, now watch this TED Talk. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> now, <Just a> video. <laughs> what, would you, what would you wear? To an interview. Yeah. And, and like for the whole day, that's all. And it's like they are not giving you any actual skills. They are literally just making you do this, this exhausting labor, hours and hours of just boring, mind numbing, makes you want to kill yourself kind of stuff. And then, and, and just so you can afford to survive. Like it's a, it's just a punishment and you, you don't benefit from it at all. No. And if you miss it, if, if you, I don't know, maybe miss it because you were going to explore an employment opportunity or something like that, you just get your payments suspended. No, yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, like, it's... Going into adulthood is actually really scary for me because I'm just like, what am I going to do to make ends meet? Yeah. You like, know, like, I'm so scared all the time. Like, rent has gone, like... Haywire. Exponentially, like, up. Like, my mum pays, like, $800 a week for rent. $800 a week. Yeah. That is 
insanely ridiculous. That is standard now. Yeah, like it's it's ridiculous, and people have to move like out of like catchment or out of um you know places where there's lots of jobs and stuff so it's impossible to get to work and then and then like traffic and then there's there's freaking petrol prices have gone up and it's like how inflation, do i even like, yeah inflation is 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 ridiculous and it's like how are we meant to know exactly what to do this is not what school teaches us either mm. we just we come into this world and we're like okay what do i do now like how am i gonna you know, it's it's really difficult. You are entering adulthood in one of the really toughest times. Exactly. Like, the rent is crazy. Especially We've got an increase in homelessness. Yeah. Even those outer suburb places that you mm-hmm. described that are just, like, falling apart full of cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rent is so much exactly. that people can't even afford to rent there. Mm-hmm. And it's competitive as hell. So even yeah. if you apply for the, for the dirtiest, terriblest place that you think you would have no competition on, you still won't get accepted. So exactly. people are actually moving into tents underneath bridges in South Bank. That's what we've got. We've got elderly people living in tents. We've got disabled people living in tents. We've got families with kids living in their cars. And even if... School's not going to prepare you for this. And even if you go to uni and get a degree, that doesn't guarantee a job anymore. You just learn it yourself. You You just get thrown out into the world and you're like, okay... This, you just have to figure everything out for yourself. There's no step-to-step guide on what you have to do. It's all just, you know, uni and school can only teach you so much, but real-life skills are so much harder to learn, especially for, you know, fellow disabled people out there. It is extremely difficult, and people with mental health issues who are trying to combat their own internal issues as well as just everything that's going on around them. And then it's you need intense. to... You know, yeah. Yeah, then you need to learn stuff about like taxes and stuff mm. and everything Oof. about it. Like, I've heard what people have said before. It's like an absolute nightmare. Like, inflation has gone out of control, and there's yeah. nothing we can do about it. Like, exactly. All right. Well, well there is, and and you can start out by tuning into Workers Power here on Four Triple Z, and then also joining your union. But uh, we'll get more into that into our next hour. And welcome back to Workers Power here on 4 Triple Z. My name's Bill. I use the he, him pronouns. I'm Cal, he, him. We've had a bit of feedback. Uh, Damien, the singer from Britney's Diary, is, uh, has uh, written in and said, uh, what I want to know is why can't people who are on jobs that pay $200,000 a year have their workload split between three people each earning, say, $65,000 a year, creating three drops and more opportunities. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a great way to think of it. You know, and essentially job sharing. I, I do that in a way. I job share. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, no. Thanks, Damien. Now, now I, I haven't got to. If you want to do a bit of feedback, just like Damien has, you can do that. Uh, send us an SMS on oh four two oh six two six seven double three. That's oh four two oh six two six seven double three. We haven't finalised our scallywag of the week yet, so if you've got any um, recommendations, um, be sure to send them in. Right now. Cal, it's been been a whirlwind of, of guests here on Workers Power this morning. You know, we've had the the work experience crew and uh, uh, you, uh, the audience hasn't seen that. I want to tell them because everyone wants and and he keeps winning. So Philip Lowe, 
Is that your recommendation? I, I think Philip Lowe is uh, very low how he treats Australians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, um, Gen- Genesis loves a pun, so she'll be back by, by then, and uh, I'd mm. say that it'd be in the running. But mm-hmm. uh, what we're going to go on to now is... Uh, You've got a little bit of announcement, a little bit of change in direction for for for, for your approach. I'll, I'll leave it over to you, Cal. Yeah, I do. Um, for those that um, have heard me on Four Triple Z, I haven't been on um, the program for a few weeks now, almost a month. I've actually just been um, starting a new job, working for a uh, transport um, company in a reservation role. Before I go back into another government job later in the year, and um, been quite busy since moving back down from. Campton and one of the biggest issues I had while working in a government job for the Human Rights Commission was um, just the lack of affordable housing up north and uh, as someone who has um, you know um, rented all through my university life in my 20s and held down multiple jobs in different fields I know uh, for a fact how hard it is getting for everyday Australians um, youth as well as older Australians now with uh, the affordability of housing both in rental market as well as the mortgage belts and um, my mum for example she's having uh, a huge amount of issues paying off her mortgage where a lot of other people now are too We're seeing- I, I'm in that boat I, look I don't talk about it too much but, <laughs> but I, I think he, he's the, the opportunity yeah. because because I know of the privilege that, that we have as homeowners uh, yep. but but the mortgage is you know has gone through the roof it oh. really has has. It, I'm not doing it as tough as renters. I I, I get that, and yeah. I acknowledge my privilege. Yep. But I, I would say, I, look, to give you, mm. to get to to give you a dollar amount and how how it's impacting my family since since the you know Philip Lowe started you know being a low bag. Um, my monthly mortgage has gone up. Four hundred dollars, which is a fifty percent increase. Oh, it's it's not just like the housing market or mortgages, or even the especially the rental market, which is seeing a huge exponential explosion of homelessness and the the lack of um, wages catching up with um, cost of living. It's also um, the the exponential rise of uh, costs of fuel. Uh, costs of in- the the interest rates increasing when Philip Lowe and the RBA board said they would uh, lower it, and then they turned around and have been increasing it ever since. You're seeing uh, high costs of uh, rates in local council areas due to the close connection between body corporates and uh, property developers and local councils, and um, also the duo- also the duopoly of, <laughs> from the, um, the the supermarkets. Especially, it, it, yeah. especially you and I know all too well with Jackson and. Uh, Genesis um because we've worked at Shore in retail, but a lot of people are now seeing what we've seen, work, having worked in retail, that um, we would have gradually seen the costs of living and groceries rise gradually, but in recent weeks now, a lot of people, and in recent months, uh, everyday shoppers are now seeing those those increases uh, in the price gouging just explode. And uh, a lot of um, big corporates like Woolworths, Coles, and IGA, and, um, you know, big conglomerates, they do need to be held to account um, for how they're treating people. And um, it feeds into the cost of living promises that, yes, sure, look, ScoMo and the former coalition government, they did leave a mess for the new government. But that said, Albanese and Jim Chalmers did promise to hold 
um, the coalition will count, come in on, on an election of making Australia a fairer place to live. And I do give credit for them for trying on some things. But that said, um, you know, it when seeing how the Labor Party just is refusing to act on a number of issues, I, for one, um, like many other people who've been involved in the Labor movement, are uh, just losing faith in um, some of our Labor leaders. Um, just look at the Queensland state election next year and the upcoming Brisbane City Council election. You've got the uh, Queensland state election for the first time in a long time, Queensland Labor is starting to tank in its polling. Um, whether that is because the Premier's polling is diminishing or seats um, are being affected by um, just the cost of living demands either in the regions or even in metro areas around Brisbane. And um, <clears throat> you're seeing um, people turn to either the far left or the far right or other options in the middle where the, the major parties, a lot of the voters are just feeling let down by the major parties. Um, you know, th there's things across across the board where, um, you know, if Anastasia Palaszczuk isn't too careful, she is on trajectory to possibly losing the next state election or losing her majority or coming close to a hung parliament. And you're looking at um, Brisbane City Council where the Greens may even outpoll Labor in a few seats, um, which is unheard of. And um, I think we're living in really interesting times, Bill, because the body politic of everything um, is changing. And I think voters are waking up to, you know, the, the need for reform. And I think one of the big things that we're seeing... You've got the LNP polling well in regional Queensland and the Cata Party, unfortunately, but in the regional areas you see the Greens polling well. And um, <clears throat> with, with all that in mind, um, I think one of the big issues, aside from cost of living, that it really have let people down is, like you mentioned, the RBA, um, Jim Chalmers and the Prime Minister not challenging, um, you know, Philip Lowe and the RBA enough when they should. Um, you've got also the human rights laws being changed where, sure, we're seeing a youth crime issue uh, explode. Sure, the police and other entities and groups can, can try and justify that. But really, at the end of the day, they're not looking at the issues um, down at the very root and causes of it, which is the cost of living crisis. A lot of kids, if they were given opportunities, sure, with free TAFE, which is good and coming out, but if they had parents that could afford to provide for their kids um, and also give kids somewhere to live and also ensure that the human rights laws don't see, um, you know, changes to it where the government's opposing its own human rights laws to see kids locked up indefinitely in detention. I sometimes question the um, moral compass of where the ALP's heading, especially in the, the midst of cost of living crisis. You also got issues like Toonda and the Toonda PDA, where I'm from. Um, uh, a lot of property developers, um, you know, um, have gotten really closed up uh, with uh, a lot of um, MPs and uh, some Labor city councillors in my Redlands area, which is sad and unfortunate. Not everyone in the ALP is like that, but there are some who are just going rogue, getting in with these developers and um, playing by the game of mates cards like Graham Richardson would have back in the day. And um, <clears throat> it's really sad to see that the ALP 
back in the day under what Wayne Goss, um, Anna Bly, and um, Peter Beattie, uh, all their MPs with um, you know Greeny and Independent and um, councillors and Redlands used to oppose this with Labor uh, building property developments that um, Joe Bielke Peterson and Russ Hins built. But um, you know now that um, Labor's been in under Palaszczuk, it's reverted back to Labor doing a complete U-turn supporting developments like Toonda. And um, there's 3,600 units w- which were um, proposed under Jackie Trad and Anna Bl- um, Anastasia Palaszczuk. And um, Anna Bly co- copped a lot of stuff for, you know, the asset sales, but Anastasia's copping a lot for um, not doing enough on cost of living. Sure enough, the new budget, the state budget, addresses some issues in housing and addresses some things that can be some increases. But if you don't, like, cap rent, and if you don't challenge the RBA on a state and federal level, you're only putting a Band-Aid on a knife wound. And um, you're seeing a lot of that, and you're seeing a lot of um, the ALP losing direction on issues like full employment, the CRS. The CRS should be reintroduced. I uh, really like the, um, the young uh, host you just had in here before. Uh, the CES. Talking, yeah, the CES. C- CES, the CES yeah, yeah. The, the CES should be reintroduced. And, I mean, I did a lot for the Australian Unemployed Workers Union um, having ex- former experience in other bigger unions in, in my younger days and I had a lot to do with the um, ALP during the um, Newman era and the Redlands and some exec roles but um, yeah like <clears throat> ever since I was younger seeing seeing um, how policy affects um, different issues I think um, you know seeing seeing the the failure of how um, job networks aren't working um, in the lead up to recession has been quite disastrous I mean it's not just that you, you've got the ALP and unions losing um, sight w- w- like with each other on one end saying we should bring the CES back which is a good idea and others just have their head in the sand refusing to go ahead with it and there's issues like that where I mean, whether or not you're for, you know, um, ensuring, you know, national security with the orca stuff, whichever way you look at it, um, <clears throat> even if you're for or against it, it's really bad optics for the federal ALP to be going down that route when um, we're in the midst of a recession um, unfolding where we can afford nuclear subs, but we can't afford to look after our everyday citizen. Um, you're, you're seeing um, a lot of people in my area um, and a lot of people who ran in re- um, like uh, regional city councils and Brisbane city council as well, who are also um, <clears throat> upset with um, how... Labor is is losing touch with um, you know the everyday people on cost of living and property um, initiatives and one for example um, feeds into the compulsory preferential voting issue which I've res- spoken about in previous episodes. Um, the ALP is just too close to the LGAQ now. Um, they're refusing to re- accept reform and I think this feeds into the fact that the ALP is losing touch with its branch rank and file and everyday people of the community. There's people in the community that, um, you know, want to have a say in the future Olympics bid and how that's going to affect developments in their local suburbs around the Gabba, um, things around um, the Redlands, around um, the Birkdale white water rafting issue. Um, <clears throat> and there's there's also, you know, developments popping up like in Deebing Creek that we've discussed. Um, this is why... 
people are losing um, faith in the ALP. Um, you know, a lot of us are labour unionists and always will be and support the everyday worker. But the problem you've got is the ALP is just moving too far to the right. It's it's going on, on like, on its own sort of thing where self-careerists are... Uh, taking over the party um losing sight of everyday voters and everyday people of the community and and not listening enough to the union um branch rank and file as well as the labor party branch rank and file and that's why you're seeing you know whitlam got into power in the 70s off the back of a long conservative era because they democratically democratized their lp um these days the alp is anything but far from that um it's you got some say in the party sure under some stuff rudd did but um a lot of the decision making is going via the premier's office and um it's just not um being heard a lot of branch rank and file aren't being heard on issues like protecting ramsar um there's good groups of people out there like in labor lean who i've been advocating to protect tunda but they're just being ignored on the tunda issue there's hopes out there that um tanya plebisek will um try to oppose the development but um that said it's disappointing to see there are still moves um you know to see environmentally harmful impacts and policies um you know being contradictory to what the alp platform says um contradictory to what the government's doing um on a state or federal level and i mean um in in federal look sure you got the greens and you got teals that can hold labor to account federally um on some things but on a state level um it's really shocking um and it's because of the lack of the upper house in queensland yeah and um i think the labor party and maybe even the labor movement is facing an identity crisis um it sucks that some of these things happen when labor sometimes is in during um recessions but um look the alp some of the reforms of the Hawke Keating era did some good, but it also did a lot of damage with the Accords. A lot of the unions need to have everyday working rights handed back to the unions and to have the power to strike and also have the power and mechanisms in place for um, us to totally change course with the neoliberal ideologies. The neoliberalism just does not work. And everything I'm talking about that feeds into all this, I mean, I've got MPs in my area that are refusing to talk, or Labor councillors who are refusing to talk and listen to unionists, everyday community members, and um, <clears throat> like it's sad, but some of the the, the, the Labor representatives in my area just are acting like three wise monkeys. Like um, I'm not going to name them, but um, they they just don't refuse to act on Tunda um, and and oppose it. I mean, um, you've got you've got those sort of issues going on, and um, people just in the party aren't willing to listen um talk or um you know reason with people and um honestly that's why um someone like me who's had 12 years experience in the alp is going to quit today from the alp resign my membership and i'm going to join the greens um because only the greens are seen as someone to vote for in my local uh, electorate in ujuru because they're someone they're people who have consistent um you know backing on issues like tuna and cost of living crisis the alp is just losing its way 
I mean, um, some people can just go on about, um, you know, the Greens being wreckers and disruptors, but I think that's lazy on the part of some people in the ALP who are refusing to work with the constructive people in the Labor movement who uh, just refuse to talk to the community and engage. And I think the Greens are doing something really interesting in inner city Brisbane where they're engaging with the electorates actually going out door knocking talking to their people engaging with real community issues and i think bill that is what is really what's wrong with electoral politics at the moment especially in queensland if we see the turnout of unfortunately a liberal government next year if anastasia were to lose if she went to hand over the leadership um hopefully we see a hung parliament but if we do see um you know the the downfall of state labor I think it's not because of the Greens or, like, um, you know, independents. I think it's because certain people in the bureaucracies of certain unions need to change and hand back, um, say, to their membership and ensure that, um, you know, branches and branch rank and file and the community have a direct say in the Labor movement. And I think that's why you're seeing a big surge to the Greens, mate. And I, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna make things interesting in the next lead up to the next state and council elections. Well uh, yeah, well thank you for that. And there's uh, yeah, a lot a lot in there, a lot of truths in there and um, you know, you're very brave to, to come out and uh yeah, we all know the ALP don't like criticism, um, but uh, uh, you're obviously at the end of your tether and um, you want to be politically engaged. I know Tunda Harbour is, mm. is is close to your heart mm. and uh, uh, and the community, so, um, yeah, the, the, the time for change. And, and it's not just me, Bill. Um, I have it on good word. There are people out there who I won't name who've been in former branch executive roles of the ALP and, um, you know, different groups who've been organisers and um, candidates and um, people who've been staffers who are quite sick of how the direction of the ALP is going. Um, if we see a term or two of the LNP in power, it's because the Premier and some MPs and certain councillors are just refusing to change. You know, they're actually also... Labor councillors in Brisbane who are upset with the Premier for not moving hard enough on compulsory preferential voting and they agree with the Greens on introducing compulsory preferential voting and challenging property developers but the state ALP just isn't moving fast enough. You're seeing, you're seeing like the ALP have this tumultuous um, uh, time because it's of its own making in Queensland especially and I, I hope that it can change federally but um, you know federally I mean they've got to they've got to work with the Greens on um, the housing bill and the Teals because um, <clears throat> it would be a real shame if Labor couldn't do more on the rental crisis the unfolding recession and um, look I, I think the ALP needs to look back to the lessons of James Scullin when he was in power in the 30s and the 20s um, because like the only time Labor's changed things um, for everyday people was when they actually took some initiative um, you know during um, economic times and um, you know like I, I just hope that they can turn it around federally um, so the LNP don't get back in but you know it, it just as someone who's done a lot for the the movement um, I have no other choice but to make these these th this direction and uh, others are feeling the same way um, 
<clears throat> I know I could be called a, a rat for going going my own way, but um, look, um, I, I'm I'm more engaged with the community, and I think a lot of people used to see someone who could become a train driver, become prime minister, or someone who could. Um, you know, start on the shop floor. These days, you're just seeing careerists who've never worked a day in their life and just end up having decision-making over everyday people who've never fo- set foot in a workplace. I mean, imagine a retail worker ending up in Parliament. Oh, oh, wait, there is one. Oh, but but we won't count him. I think he's in the STA, that fella. Oh, no, no. Oh, there, there is a couple, but some are in the Greens. Yeah, there's one. <laughs> they're, Stephen they're Bates was yeah. a RAFWU member, so, <laughs> well, you he's, know. Well, he's one of the good ones, and there, there's one from South Australia, but he sold out. We yeah, won't well, talk yeah, about yeah, him. A former <laughs> Scallywag of the Week recipient. Yeah. Oh, well, well, th- we better move on. But thank you all, all for that. That's a, some some really good analysis on uh, on uh, on the ALP and mm. and not going down the the, the normal party line. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I say welcome, welcome to grassroots uh, electoral politics. And I'm tendering my resignation right now as we speak via email. Well, there you go. <laughs> you heard it here first on Workers' Powers, comrades. It's uh, there, there is a change coming, and we got a bit of feedback from. Sean and I uh, look, Sean. I think you missed the whole point. Um, where where the, 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 Sean writes in the Greens yesterday blocked a vote on the bill, w- which will mean thirty thousand social and affordable homes will not be built. Um, it might be worth a mention. Well, it's it, it's worth a mention because that's the type of nonsense that we get from the ALP, and it's just simply not true, Sean. We we, we suggest that you um, that you look into the legislation, and it's not going to build thirty thousand new homes at all. There's no guarantees on it. It it, it is a gamble on the stock market, um, uh, uh, in the tune of ten billion dollars, and and a, a cap of five hundred um, million dollars per year yeah like honestly um as someone who's lived in public housing as well like um i think uh it's just like at the end of the day labor needs to do more for people in the rental market and if if they're not doing if they're not doing that listening to the greens and teals or independence then look honestly there there wouldn't have been a home built for two (laughs) years yeah we're in the middle of a housing crisis and if it weren't for the greens there would not have been any social housing built in the next two years sean i I suggest you look into it i think that the the problem with the alp at the moment is it's it's setting its um sites too small and i think that really at the end of the day you've got to ensure that people have homes there there isn't even like in the queensland's um legislation on the human rights housing isn't even covered under the human rights legislation when it's a universal human right according to the un there's so many things which skew the um lgaq property market and the landlords to have the final say on the um welfare and livelihood of everyday people and when the, the constraints of the economy are being hit by so much greed and overcapital. Uh, that's why so many people are falling through the cracks. And honestly, the ALP needs to do a lot better or they're going to be out of power for a long time on a state level. And I, I hope I hope they're not federally because, you know, they, they can at least work with uh, Greens and Teals and Independents. But um, honestly, if they don't change their direction 
like um, we, we're back to square one. Yeah, and look, those mm. uh, the, the the party faithful, the apparatchik, mm. they're, they're the worst part of the ALP who will blindly follow and say, "Oh, the Greens stopped at thirty houses, thirty thousand houses being built." Oh, it's rubbish. It's nonsense. Don't get me wrong, Bill. There is some great people. Oh, of course, in, in the I ALP. get that. There are some good people. There, there are some in Labor lean. There's others in local Labor, which I'm also resigning from. Um, there's some ex office organisers who are pushing for um, reforms. But at the end of the day, and there's there's some people um, fighting for some stuff in local government elections coming up, but at the end of the day, they're, they're pushing for reforms because a lot of the apparatchiks are refusing to listen to the rank and file in everyday community. And that is why also seeing a big swell of people who would traditionally vote Labor go to either Teals or Greens. Mm. And it's because the um, it's because we need to get back to grassroots. We need to ensure that democracy does not fail because if not, you'll have people turning to right-wing extremists as well on the right. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to see something like that. Um, There's a lot of XALP people within the uh, cooker movement. So, uh, yeah, and, uh, I, I like what you were, you, you were saying <coughs> before, is that the ALP have mm. got, got one group to, to blame for their inadequacies. Yeah. The ALP. It, it, it's it's not so much the membership. It's it's the certain apparatchiks who are refusing to give grassroots say back to either the communities where branches represent or branches are trying to have say for their branch rank and file. And you don't necessarily have to be a member of the ALP to have a say in process to talk to people in branches, but the, it's just it's just not working the way it should be. And, I mean, when, any, when anyone gets too much power or stays in power too long, just look at J.B. Oki-Peterson during the Nats days. I'm not saying Anastasia's anywhere near as bad as that but when you when you've been in power for so long you tend to just lose sight of the everyday things that matter and i think that's something that even our prime minister and federal treasurer need to be very careful of um they have done some good but at the end of the day we do need to be moving uh, in a direction where we're seeing a lot better things go on for everyday people in means of everyday struggles and um, to ensure that we have a fair go for all. Well, 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 just just one last comment to, to ALP comrades uh, that, that, that are sticking with it. What, what they've got to get better at is... Uh, is actually standing up for working class people. Yeah, yeah. Bring it back. Bring it back to its roots, you know, not looking after property developers like they do out at Tunda Harbour and at Deeby yeah. Creek and the waste industry, you know. Yep. Or you, you, none of the Labor is speaking out against it, you know, none. Introduce compulsory preferential voting. You'll mm. see some Greens and Independents win, but you'll see a lot of other people who might be grassroots Labor bringing it back. I think... Um, the downside is is um, the conservative side have done really well in local government spheres because how well the property market is entrenched. And, I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the state government has an opportunity to... to um, go ahead with introducing change as well as the federal sphere and um, we need to see voting reform, we need to see internal reform inside the labour movement as well as um, local government and as well in the housing um, issues as well and the RBA, let's not forget how low Philip Lowe is acting I mean we do need a massive shake up because the way of the 1980s and neoliberalism it, it, I think they tried 
uh, setting goals for short term where we could make a banking for everyone. But, to, or, but at the end of the day, we know that's not the true the truth. It's a lot of people uh, have not done fortunate and uh, the only the greedy and few have banked well off tough economic times. And uh, I think we're all feeling that pinch and that's why we need to do better as a democracy. Right on. absolute power corrupts most absolutely. It sure does. Now, I've got one more story that, that I wanted to talk about here today so we're gonna we're gonna put it in under the guise of scallywag of the week um so th- th- the story goes that claims emerged that netball australia warned players they would not be picked for the world club unless a new cpa was signed uh, for a sport struggling to meet its contractual agreements and with questions over its financial stability to effectively lock out its national team players before a spectacular black backflip raises questions of governance. Questions that Netball Australia refuses to answer. The National Diamonds team was supposed to be announced a week ago, but players were told at the last minute via email that if they did not sign a three-year collective player agreement the team would not be named. Um, as at uh, last Monday night, a m- meeting called by Netball Australia, attended by CEO Kelly Ryan and Chair of the Board Wenda Archer, as well as the national coach, one of the players asked whether it was possible to extend the current agreement until after the World Cup in August, removing the imminent threat to the team. Players had an ultimatum. Sign the agreement or else. or else. A player agent was reported to have contacted Nepal Australia's CEO to ask what would happen if the players refused to sign. The response? We won't send the team to the World Cup. And for that, uh, the, the name of that CEO is... I just read it out. It, it was um, Kelly Ryan. For that, you, you get... You get the the scally wag of the week trying to lock out your workers. Shame. You know, by the end of the week, though, Netball Australia had performed a stunning backflip, agreeing with the player's suggestion to extend the current agreement for now and take the heat out of the crisis. The whole drama need not have happened at all. That it did adding to the numerous other crises in the past year, raises serious questions of management and decision-making at the sports governing body. A request for an interview with the CEO or chair went unanswered for for the ticket. A former Diamonds captain, now CEO of the Australian Netball Players Association, Catherine Harvey-Williams, said she was unaware of Australian selection ever being used as a bargaining tool to force the signing of player contracts. Never, she said. It's unimaginable what happened to throw the Australian Netball uniform and announcement of a, of a, a World Cup team in the middle of a bargaining table at the 11th hour is something that we just couldn't comprehend and couldn't understand why that would be used as a bargaining chip. You just don't do that. Other sports don't do it. It was extremely disappointing. And so, yeah, that get that... Terrible, terrible um, uh, treatment of, of the workers earns uh, Kelly Ryan our scallywag of the week. Right. Well, that, that's about it for the show. We've got um, we've got Sean has has come back. 
And um, oh, oh, you know, it, it, Sean is a tired old. Uh, oh, yeah, Sean, you're tired of anti-labour rhetoric. Well, uh, well, there's one former, way to fix that. As a former ALP member, as of uh, five minutes ago, uh, I just have to say maybe uh, the ALP needs to sit down with its branch rank and file, or else it's unelectable. So, mate, get out there. Have a chat to your MPs and do something about changing things or else, like, you know, what's the point? What's the point of campaigning for a movement that's not going to step up and know what it's fighting for? The Labor movement was founded on a dream of protecting everyday workers. And they just don't do it anymore. They're not doing it. And you know, um, I, I left them in 2009 and and I grew up with, uh, uh, when I start, went, entered the workforce, mm. in my household it was compulsory to vote Labor and yep. to join your union. Yep. And I stuck to that all yep. the way up to the Fair Work Act. So, Sean, what you've got to do is bring about bring about a, a Labor Party that doesn't bring in things like the Fair Work Act. Yeah. It doesn't do things like erode our right to strike. Did, you know, it wasn't common knowledge that um, just re since they've got into government, mm. they've eroded our right to strike. So, so you know, like uh, uh, th this is uh, tired old anti-Labor rhetoric. Well, um, it just goes to show it's been going on for years and years and years and voters and, and ALP members have had enough. Right. Well, well, well. That's that's enough. Well, I've I've got a bit of a, a message. This one go. It's 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 not out to Sean in any way. It, this one goes out to CEO Kelly Ryan um, from Netball Australia. Um, and 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 they, well, oh, oh, we've actually got another minute. We do. Are you back in next week? Look, I'm off oh, next I'm, week. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to be a regular on Tuesdays again. Um, got the day off on Tuesday, so I'll be with Jackson and uh, Genesis, and uh, we'll be talking about everyday workers' rights and the environment movement and uh, anything going on with any news coming on um, from the airwaves or whatever's going on in the world or locally. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm going on a much needed break. We can only afford three three nights at school holidays are coming up. So That's fair enough. <laughs> um, and and uh, yeah, I, I, I I'm thinking like for, for for me and and my family, with uh, we've got uh, a year twelve student and two year nine students. I, I think this is going to be the last time we ever have a full family away. I'm <laughs> oh, the kids are getting old. Oh, and, you'll be right, Bill. And, but, but the good news <laughs> is they might leave home soon. Oh, true. No, well, no. They, they, I always joke around and say, you know, um, you, you, you talk about the bad experiences you've had with share accommodation. Oh, mate, it never ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, like, well. But I, I have a good... Mate, wait wait till you have teenagers. <laughs> wait till you have teenagers. I'm currently in the worst share house I've ever experienced. <laughs> I'm sure you're they, they, they dad, don't mate. contribute. They <laughs> eat all the food. No, they're fantastic, and I love them. And I'm That's looking, right. I'm looking forward to uh, you know spending a, a you know a few days with them no, as as we 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 day you know so. All right. Well, we'll um, and and that's it for our show. So we will um, see you next uh, Tuesday yep. here on Four Triple Z.